I'm Evan Knappen, and welcome to Gun Lawyer. So you may have heard about the governor of New Mexico. The governor of New Mexico, better called Petty Tyrant, decided to unilaterally issue a, quote, public health order, not kidding, banning the public carry of firearms in the city of Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I don't know, maybe she forgot that she's in the West. I mean, you know, where, like, there's a tradition of this thing called carrying guns. And even though New Mexico is kind of a blue state, you know, kind of a Democrat state, they're still a gun state. It's still the West. It's still got the tradition of the Westerner, of individuals that want to protect themselves with firearms, and it is part of the culture. And to think that this governor would be such an idiot that she would unilaterally do this is just shocking. And man, did she ask for it. And so her unilateral ban on carrying firearms in the city of Albuquerque uh, caused just an explosion of opposition. And opposition came in from everywhere, it came in from even fellow Democrats. Even the you know attorney general said he won't enforce it. Everyone really recognized that this was such an abuse to try to just eliminate a constitutional right by a decree by a governor basing it on public health. I mean, this is like the COVID mentality on steroids and just saying, oh, so what? Does the Constitution right? Well, what about your oath? Remember your oath to uphold that pesky thing called the Constitution? <laughs> well, she didn't worry about that. She even said, I know. I know I did, but so what? No right is absolute, she says. No right is absolute. Well, so you think the 13th Amendment that abolished slavery is an absolute? What do you think? I think we can have some, I think public health calls for slavery to be reinstated. Only for 30 days, but let's just start enslaving people. I mean, no rights absolute, right? <laughs> I mean, come on, right? I mean, there are plenty of constitutional rights that, in fact, are absolute. Now, whether the Second Amendment is absolute or not isn't really the issue anyway. Because the Second Amendment has had its parameters set under the Bruin decision. It's had its parameters set based on a test of Second Amendment. It has, in fact, been put in a category of law now where the level of which the burden in order to uphold any government action regarding something that goes against our guarantee of our right to keep and bear arms, has to be 
proven by the government, the burden has to be met by the government showing text, history, and tradition that such laws existed at the time of the passage of the, se of the Second Amendment, or maybe in the 1860s uh, after the uh, Civil War with the 14th Amendment. I mean, I'm talking having to go way back. Laws just from the uh, late 1800s don't even count. Laws from the early 1900s, they don't count. It has to be laws back at the time of the Second Amendment or its incorporation. And you're going to have to show laws that were enacted at the time, that were acceptable, that were fine, that were understood to be okay. And uh, there were other laws after that. There have been anti-gun laws that are not acceptable and, in fact, have been subject to abuse. And many of them were focused on being racial, prejudicial. I mean, some of the earliest gun laws, for example, in New Jersey, going way back, banned blacks and Native Americans from having guns. And, uh, you know, in some of the states, including New Jersey, have had the, the balls, frankly, to argue that, oh, well, the modern gun law should be upheld because we had horrible racist gun laws in the past, and that should justify them now. Well, can you, it's like, can't even believe they would even with a straight face make that argument, but, you know, they're supposed to be uh, all about today getting rid of racism and beyond even. I mean, we're talking about major, major reverse discrimination even, you know, oh, but oh, but when it comes to gun laws, <laughs> that's okay. We can uh, base them on uh, our past history of discriminating against blacks, and that's fine. That just shows they're good gun laws because, hey, they discriminate against blacks, right? So why not now? Sounds good, huh? Well, that's what Jersey says, so I don't think so. And other gun laws, even in the West, there were attitudes about guns, about their impact, and petty tyrants, even in the West, would at times try to ban guns, ban the carrying of guns. And we're talking about the West here, too, in, in New Mexico, right? And lots of times uh, that didn't go real well. Mr. Producer, would you play one of my favorite clips from the movie Unforgiven? Give me the pistol, mister. I says, give me over your pistol. I ain't drunk. Ordinance says you got to turn in your firearms to the county office, day or night. I guess you didn't see the sign with, with the weather and all, huh? No. But I ain't. I ain't armed. What about your friends upstairs? They got any pistols? They ain't armed either. Uh -huh. What's your name? William. <laughs> Hendershot. Well, Mr. William Hendershot, what if I was to say you was a no good son of a bitch and a liar? 
And then the buzz to say that you shit in your pants because of a cowardly soul. I bet you'd show me that pistol right quick, wouldn't you? You'd shoot me dead. Isn't that so? Maybe, yeah, I guess. But the fact is I ain't carrying no firearm. Get out. What's this for, snakes and such? Yeah. We don't have any snakes in here, Mr. Hendershot. Well, See, Mr. Beauchamp, this is the kind of trash I can get out. You find this kind in all the saloons and all your prosperous communities. Wichita? Over in uh, Cheyenne? find him in a town of big whiskey ah but you will find the same attitude apparently by the governor in the city of albuquerque and as you know those kind of gun laws never seem to go well and it's not going very well for her because a judge has issued a temporary restraining order on her Fiat, her petty, tyrannical action that she's taken. And in fact, the uh, you see calls now for her impeachment. There was a rally, a pretty significant rally, where people defied and said they will not comply, and they were open carrying in Albuquerque in protest of her actions. And there was very little support. As a matter of fact, there were individuals there who specifically said that this only targets the good people, which is what it does, because the bad guys, they're not going to pay any attention to this, and even the governor knows it. This is the worst kind of knee-jerk stupidity when you're stopping law-abiding citizens so that it makes it easier for the criminals. I mean, come on. Instead, they jump on this emotion and they say, hey, let's go after the symbol, the gun. Go after the symbol. Because it's too hard to actually do something about crime. So we'll focus on the symbol and we'll make that intrinsically evil, and then that's what we'll ban, and it doesn't matter that the tool that defends law-abiding citizens, that defends children and adults alike, where those that are responsible, that know how to use it, and especially countering that culture of the West that absolute defend and stand up for yourself, Western ethic. And this is what she does. And you know, 
One of the things interesting I was reading here, very few supported at all what she did. As a matter of fact, e what's really funny is even some of the most most anti-gun advocates out there, matter of fact, probably one of the worst, the worst of all the anti-gunners, uh, at least in terms of just obnoxiousness, no less, is David Hogg, right? You probably know David Hogg. You know, the, the, the blood dancer out of Parkland, right? You know, that guy. And, you know, he's made a career out of, out of this. That anti-gun zealot even tweeted after the governor suspending a constitutional right based on a public health. Listen to what, remember, this is David Hogg, like anti-gun, you know, poster child. I support gun safety, but there's no such thing as a state public health emergency exception to the U.S. Constitution. Even that guy gets it. And um, in response to his tweet, this fellow Tony Kinnett, I think, won the Internet for the day with his comment. Here's what he said in response to David Hogg. Imagine screwing up gun control so badly that you lose David Hogg. <laughs> yep, that's about it. I mean, that is. I mean, let's face it. This is so extreme to suspend a constitutional right in this manner. And then if any of you follow the Babylon Bee, they were hilarious on it. They said that the governor then proceeded to suspend the First Amendment to stop any criticism of her suspension of the Second Amendment. Right, and that's essentially what happens. You start spending constitutional rights, well, there's no limit or end to it. Now, she has uh, backed down apparently, just now, recently. She's rescinded the order because everyone and their mother was against it, except, by the way, except for the Catholic Church, I might add. No, the Catholic Church was in favor of this. Read that in the AP news story that they liked it. So if any of you uh, find that interesting, there you go. Consider that. But other than the Catholic Church, there are very few people that uh, that would uh, support it. And what's even more interesting about the Catholic Church, by the way, is there is uh, St. Gabriel Ponsenti, who is the, uh, for the patron saint of handgunners, by the way. So there's even a saint in that uh, church. So I, I don't think uh, St. Gabe there would support this uh, governor's actions. So... Maybe the church needs to take a look at things a little closer. But anyway, uh, so this effort by the governor shot down. She's backed down, rescinded, and now said, oh, no, she's issued a new order where she's only limiting it to public parks where there's kids. Well, even that is no good, of course. That's just trying to save face, but... And they said, and if they challenge that in court, she's going to try to get the legislature to do so. Okay, well, guess what? It's, it's going to be challenged in court, just like we're challenging it in New Jersey in court and everywhere else. 
Because it's a constitutional right, lady. Let Get it through your head. Talking about an abuse of power. Oh, my God. So, yeah, that's not going to save it. That's not going to save her. I guess the thing that really got most people on the left upset is that, unfortunately, this governor revealed their ultimate plan too soon. <laughs> it's probably what it really boils down to. You know, how dare she do that? We didn't want to do that just yet. We still have more gun registration and other mechanisms to put in place before we drop the hammer like that with uh, executive tyranny. Come on, come on. We're letting Biden do a lot of stuff now, but we still have to keep, you know, we have to do it incrementally and just take away the rights, you know, in a systematic way. You just can't do this. She didn't follow the, she didn't follow the playbook. She didn't get the memo or something. But anyway, it now stands as a great example of you better not do this to any politician, especially when it gets done in a Democrat Western state and it just blows up like a nuke in her face as well it should. And that brings me to talking about our gun rights, our gun rights, our fight for gun rights. And in New Jersey, the number one fighter for our gun rights as a group is the Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs. And every one of you need to be a member of New Jersey Association. It is the NRA affiliate of New Jersey. They're on the front lines, front lines of the legislature, fighting for our rights. A matter of fact, I want to tell you that shortly I'm going to have some important news for you. Important news about the great fight that association is undertaking on the training requirements fiasco. We've talked about this on the show. And your association is doing fantastic work there. And very shortly, I'm going to be able to tell you some, some news that I'm very excited about, but I can't give any details yet. But it is coming shortly, and that is your association at work, day and night. I'm not kidding, literally day and night, working to defend our gun rights in the battlefield state of New Jersey. Join the association. It's anjrpc.org. Make sure you're a member. You'll get the email alerts. You'll be informed. And you'll know that you're part of the solution. anjrpc.org. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law, a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. 
Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I am a lawyer. I am a lawyer. Thank you for listening to the number one gun rights podcast in the world. And that's according to Feedspot, who rates podcasts around the world. And they rated the top 20 podcasts. And Gun Lawyer is number one, and we're number one because of you. And I appreciate it. It gives us a voice and a platform, ability to get great information out so that you can protect yourself, not become a law-abiding criminal, and know that you're part of this fight, fighting for our guarantee under the Second Amendment, where we all cherish our right to keep and bear arms. Now, you know, there's been a lot of other interesting things in the news, not the least of which is more action by Biden. And one of the things uh, that he's put forward, which is extremely serious, is an executive, uh, through the executive branch, through the administrative agencies, he's put a rule that he's trying to promulgate through ATF, under ATF's rulemaking powers, to change and define the definition of engaged in business as a dealer in firearms. This is really, really bad, folks. The rhinos that sold us out on the so-called bipartisan safer communities bill that they were warned about, that they said, we, we told them this is gun control, don't do it. And these idiots, these idiot Republicans joined with the Democrats, and they were warned about this problem. And, of course, Biden touts it as a huge victory, which it was for him, actually. It was. They gave it to him on a silver platter, you know, headed by a guy like John Cornyn, Republican from Texas, no less. should be ashamed of himself. And amongst other things in this bill, removing from the definition of dealer, which was hard fought and paid for dearly in the enactment of the Firearm Owners Protection Act under Reagan, by the way, where we lost our machine gun new production. Thank you. That was a trade-off, you know. And uh, that bill purposely defined dealer because ATF was harassing individuals as being unlicensed dealers. And they were coming down on folks, trying to destroy law-abiding people. That just wanted to do this as a hobby for fun, enjoyment, etc. And what did we get in there then? That to exactly what to be a dealer was for livelihood, livelihood and profit. And these sellouts cut out livelihood. So now it's just about profit only. And they're trying to expand this so broadly that if you sell a gun for profit, you can be determined to be a an unlicensed dealer and face the penalties. It's outrageous and wrong. All under a guise of universal background check, which we all know is universal gun registration. That's what it is. 
And this is what they want because that's how they get the lists so they can confiscate. This is their end game. Got to realize that. I mean, this is what the whole thing's about. This is what we're fighting to stop. We can't let them get footholds. We can't let them get this. And even worse, turning law-abiding citizens into criminals again because you sell a gun and happen to make a profit. So look, this rulemaking, this rulemaking issue here, there's a period now of time where we can send in comments, and it's important that you do. You need to send comments in to this proposed rule, attacking it and making it clear why it's a load of doggy do. And you need to explain how this affects law-abiding citizens, how this is wrong, how it is so overbroad and absurd. And you can go to the portal at the uh, regulations.gov. I'll have the link on the gun lawyer website so that you can reference this. It's docket 2022R-17. That's the rulemaking that you need to comment on. Comment at regulations.gov and let it be known because, sure, they'll probably do whatever they want. They'll probably still promulgate it. But as long as we have lots and lots of folks putting in opposition and comments, it helps with the guaranteed litigation that's going to occur as soon as the rule gets enacted. And uh, put in your comments. Try to avoid being inflammatory or hyperbolic. Don't use vulgar language. Don't call it doggy do, even though I did. Uh, you know, calmly explain why it's bad and why this is outrageous and why citizens shouldn't be thrown into a category of dealers simply because they sell some guns now and then and actually end up making a profit. I mean, do you realize that ATF estimates that the this is ATF, by the way, estimating that this new rule is going to require anywhere from approximately 24,000 to 328,000 people to become FFLs. And I think that's a low estimate. This is insane. They can't even keep up with what they are supposed to be doing, no less this garbage. So this is, of course, yet another Biden special. Man, if you need any reason to vote against this character, if he even makes it to and through the primary and gets to be the nominee, this guy is the worst president ever. And when it comes to the Second Amendment, he is our enemy. He is the enemy of the Second Amendment. So we have to stay vigilant, folks. Send in your comments. Make sure you do. We got to stay on this and keep fighting till we get the cavalry in 2024. And you know who that's going to be. So I have a letter here from Joseph. Joseph says, Hello, I listened to all your podcasts. They are all entertaining and informative and much appreciated. Well, thank you, Joseph. I appreciate that myself. Please continue the good work. My question is. 
As a New Jersey resident, if I were to travel out of state, for example, to a local store in Pennsylvania, would my ammunition purchase still need to be registered as per the recent New Jersey laws regarding sale of ammunition? Thank you. And the answer to that is no, it does not. That is the one of the better ways to not get on a ammo registration list. Simply buy your ammo out of state. Buy it at a gun show. You can buy it at a dealer. They're not subject to New Jersey's insanity. You, as a New Jersey resident, you're now in a different jurisdiction. You're in the jurisdiction of Pennsylvania. You're only covered by federal law and Pennsylvania law. You can buy your ammunition and you can bring it home. And you can keep it at home and not a problem. Use it at the range. Use it as you would buy any other ammo. Because this is incumbent on individuals that sell ammunition in New Jersey, not outside of New Jersey. It's not a fact of selling to a Jersey resident. It's a fact of where the ammunition is sold. And if it's sold in New Jersey, then it must be registered and you're going to have to pay the fee and you get put on another lovely list. So if you'd like to avoid that, sure, buy it out of state. Now, let me give you an important warning here about this too. If you're buying ammo in New Jersey, beware of the 2,000 round trap. If you buy 2,000 rounds or more of handgun ammunition at any one time, that's ammunition that can be used in a handgun, then the dealer is required to immediately report you to the state police, required, and then the state police will investigate you. So if you buy four bricks of 22s at the same time in New Jersey, you're going to subject yourself to a state police investigation. So beware of that. You buy it out of state, no such thing. And the ammo registration rule also doesn't apply to those that reload and components, etc. It only applies to completed cartridges. These are other loopholes and things you should be aware of as you want to maintain your privacy and your ownership of ammunition. So thank you, Joseph, for that great question. Hey, I have another one here. This is from Gary. Gary says, hi, Evan. I have a 1943 M1 Garand. Ah, I love the World War II Garands. They are sweet. And Patton called it, as you may recall, the best battle rifle ever devised. And the M1 Grand is a wonderful gun. And as we've talked about before, you can buy them at a great deal from the CMP. That's right, Civilian Marksmanship Program has excellent deals on M1 Grands. But anyway, I continue. I have a 1943 M1 Grand. It has a bolt lug for a bayonet. I also have the bayonet. I know they are illegal for modern rifles. Is there a certain date where you can own these in New Jersey without a bolt lug and a bayonet? In the same vein, I have a German World War II dagger. I know daggers are illegal in New Jersey. Is there any exemption for antiques? If so, what year makes them an antique? Thanks. As always, you're the best resource for gun owners in New Jersey. Well, thank you. And this actually was from Harvey. I'm sorry. I said, Gary, my apologies to Gary. It's from Harvey. So let's talk about M1 grants. All right. What Harvey's getting at here is essentially the confusion, mass confusion about New Jersey's assault firearm law. 
New Jersey banned assault firearms, which is the pejorative term for modern sporting rifles. Yet it is a term embedded in our law now because they actually call them assault firearms as a matter of law. So I'm going to refer to them as assault firearms because it's actually the legal term when you go to NJS2C39-1. So what is an assault firearm? Well, assault firearm is extremely complicated. It is a five-part definition, one of the most poorly written definitions in all of criminal law. I'm not just saying that because I can't stand the law. It's a fact. And the first part of the law is about 67 guns on a list, then any gun substantially identical to the... What the hell is substantially identical? Substantial means almost. Identical means exact. What do they mean, almost exact? And how are we even supposed to know what's almost exact? That's like a little bit pregnant. It doesn't make any sense. Yet here we are. So in all the confusion and craziness, the Attorney General put out the 1996 guidelines where it outlined, based on the federal 1994, federal 1994 assault weapon ban, Features that make a gun an assault farm, even though New Jersey never passed that in 1990 when they passed the assault farm ban. But nonetheless, that's what guides us. And those so-called offending features include a bayonet lug, which Harvey's referring to as a bolt lug, but it's a bayonet lug or bayonet mount, some people would call it. And it includes a telescoping stock, folding stock, pistol grip, flash suppressor, threaded muzzle, and of course what every one of us has on every one of our semi-automatic rifles, grenade launchers. It includes grenade launchers. You know, I was just planning on doing some grenade launching this weekend at the range. It would probably be a lot of fun. No, but the point is those are the features that are offending features, but they have to be on a semi-automatic rifle that is magazine-fed, and that's the difference. The M1 Garand rifle is an on-block clip. Clip! Now, I am a gun guy, like you folks are gun people. And when I say clip, I mean a freaking clip. A Garand uses a clip, not a magazine. AR-15-type guns, AK-type guns, and all the other scary black rifles and tactical rifles that scare the hell out of every liberal there is, um, they use magazines, detachable magazines, right? And that's where the guidelines come in. But the very first feature is it has to be a semi-automatic rifle that uses a detachable magazine, and M1 Garands do not. So a bayonet lug on an M1 Garand is legal. An M1 Garand rifle is not an assault firearm. An M1 Garand bayonet is legal. You can put an M1 Garand bayonet on an M1 Garand, and it's legal. It's not prohibited. So much so that as part of the 1990 assault firearm law, the Attorney General had to declare which guns were legitimate target shooting firearms, you see, because only legitimate target shooting firearms would be allowed to be registered as assault firearms in New Jersey. Please tell me if it's a legitimate target shooting firearm 
How is it an assault firearm? And why does it need to be registered? But forget all the logic there. And in so promulgating that list back then in 1990 of legitimate target shooting firearms, which included the AR-15, which included the M1 carbine, which included the semi-auto M14 type or M1A type, of which those guns you could in 1990 register as assault firearms and keep them. And that went for one year only, and then the registration was no more for that passage of that law at that time. In that finding of what are legitimate target shooting firearms, the person who put that out at the state police, we want to thank that person for doing it, also wrote as kind of an addendum, kind of an addition in that letter, and I have a copy of it, that says the M1 Grand Rifle is not an assault firearm. So the state police officially said that the M1 Grand is not an assault firearm. In addition to the M1 Grand not meeting the criteria of substantially identical because it doesn't use a detachable magazine, and it is not on the list of guns that are per se prohibited by name. So, Harvey, you are good to go for an M1 Grand in New Jersey. Keep that bayonet mount right on there and proudly mount your bayonet on it, and you're good to go. Now, as far as the second part of Harvey's question... What about German World War II dagger? And, of course, German daggers are awesome pieces of history. They're very collectible, very desirable, and they represent a victory. Think about this. What does that memorabilia from that period represent? It represents trophies because the good guys won, and that's why we have them. Because the good guys won. We did. We won. We beat the Nazis. We beat the Germans. So German dagger shouldn't stand for Nazism. It should stand for our victory over Nazism because it's ours now. We have it. And so losing our appreciation for history every day, forgetting what history means, forgetting what these trophies of war represent, There's a lot of nonsense of the modern age applied. But Harvey's question is, look, are daggers illegal in New Jersey? And the thing is, New Jersey does have a statute that prohibits daggers unless you have a manifest lawful purpose. If you have a lawful purpose, then you can have a dagger. You can even have a switchblade possession if you have a lawful purpose. And, of course, the lawful purpose to have a German World War II dagger is its incredible historic value that it is a war trophy that we Americans fought against the evil Nazis, and they sure as hell were, and we won, and we have the spoils of war, and this is an example of our victory and what we were able to glean 
from the enemy, the enemy that we defeated, and it is a part of history. And as they uh, say, you know, those that uh, forget history, they're deemed to repeat it, right? And so we're not going to forget history. We don't want to repeat it. We need to keep it in mind so that we don't repeat it. This is a classic example of that. So it is technically legal to have a dagger if you have that lawful purpose and can demonstrate it. Can't sell it. Selling is a separate prohibition. But possession, there is that defense built into the statute. So one of the things I would strongly suggest if you have such an item is put a tag on it, put a, you know, one of those uh, kind of shipping tags with the little string, and write on it what it is, that it's historic, put the maker, you know, because the makers can be very important, put, whether it's an SA dagger, an SS dagger, whatever it is, any of the collector key collector information about that dagger Write it up on that card about the history and what makes it collectible. And that way, with that tag in your collection, your manifest lawful purpose, your purpose for having that legally was as a historic relic where you've appreciated and made clear the collector value to you and why you have it and why generations from now, it needs to remain and be understood and appreciated for the victory that the Americans had over our enemy, the Nazis. This is Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.